1: Grieving parents in a fight with the hospital.
2: He fought as hard as he could, but he wasn't able to make it.
1: The communications breakdown, they say, prolonged their agony. The gun grabber in
3: court. There's also the concern if uh, he had gotten the firearm out of the holster.
1: Reaction to shocking video that some say proves downtown crime is out of control. And back to normal.
4: Happy but cautious.
1: How businesses and customers are reacting to the end of the vaccine card.
5: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. Now, it's hard to imagine how things could get any worse for parents who've just lost a newborn. But that is what happened to one BC family, a North Vancouver woman, says she and her husband were re-traumatized by a hospital mix-up after the initial tragedy. John Wah has their heartbreaking story.
2: It completely breaks me apart and it enrages me because I only got to spend a few minutes with him and I just wanted to bring him home, which is where he belongs. He belongs at home. He belongs with us.
6: Eight short hours is how long little Nathaniel spent on this earth. A few heartbreaking minutes. All the time his parents had to say goodbye.
2: It was the most horrible experience of my life and yet the most beautiful moment of my life because I finally got to hold my son. But he was dying. His soul was leaving. He was taking his last breath when I held him.
6: As if the trauma of losing their first child due to complications at birth wasn't enough. What Emily Negabon says happened after her son's death has left them in turmoil.
2: Coming home to an empty bassinet, to an empty baby carrier, it left us completely. We felt
6: hollow. Negabon says she immediately expressed her wishes to BC Women's Hospital to release Nathaniel's body as soon as possible.
2: His little toque.
6: So they can begin the healing process by cremating him and bringing his ashes home.
2: Every single person told me that his body wasn't ready and that I would take a few months for it to be ready. And nobody could really give me a reason why.
6: Her motherly instincts pushing Negabon to dig a little deeper. That's when she says she learned from Morgue staff. Nathaniel's body had been ready for release for eight weeks.
2: That's the part that hurts the most, is knowing that he's all by himself in a tiny little refrigerator in the cold, waiting for us to pick him up.
6: Nagabon says hospital staff called it a communication breakdown between departments. BC Women's writing, we have been in direct contact with the family to apologize for the distress they are facing. BC Women's is reviewing its processes to ensure families can be supported as best as possible.
2: How can this happen? How can they leave a tiny little newborn by themselves in the morgue?
6: The family says this is not the first time the health care system has failed them. A complaint has been filed against Lionsgate Hospital, where Nathaniel was born. His parents claim Negabon was sent home twice with morphine while in labor, and a vacuum was used without her consent to assist in the delivery, which may have contributed to her son's death.
2: It's just constantly adding more and more layers of heartbreak and more and more layers of anger and frustration with the
6: system. Eight hours on this earth, eight weeks left waiting in a hospital morgue.
2: It breaks me completely I just want to be there, and I just want to make sure that he that he knows he's loved.
6: This mother says imagine experiencing even more heartbreak when you know the pain you're already feeling will take more than a lifetime to heal. John Hua, Global News. For the second time in a week, BC's police
1: watchdog has been called to Surrey after a fatal officer-involved shooting. Global's Aaron MacArthur is live in Surrey with what we know so
7: far. Aaron. Yeah, Chris, all this uh, went down today at about 10 o'clock. According to the Surrey RCMP, a man was out in public threatening self-harm with a weapon. He was tracked to this house here behind me. Members of the emergency response team were called out, as was the mental health team. Now, during the altercation, the man still had his weapon. Shots were fired. He was hit, taken to hospital. He died a short time later of his injuries. The IIO, the Independent Investigations Office, has now taken charge of this investigation. And as you said, second time in a week they've been called out here to Surrey. It's the third case overall in the last few weeks.
3: Again, as we always do um, find video if there is any, this is a little different than our last two cases that took place in in the public. This uh, as far as we know, took place contained within a home. So that'll be more challenging. But you know, again, uh, any video that anybody might have, uh, even if it doesn't show the actual event, may show um, it, other circumstances that could well be relevant.
7: Still lots of questions to unpack here about this shooting. Uh, What were the circumstances involved? How many officers pulled the trigger? How many shots were fired? All of that should be detailed in the IIO report. But until that report comes out, the RCMP and the Independent Investigations Office will keep a pretty tight lid on things. We'll have to wait uh, some time for that information to come out.
1: Chris? Traumatic all around, for sure. Thanks very much, Aaron. Well, the man charged with attempting to disarm a Vancouver police officer on Thursday appeared in court today. The 22-year-old will spend the weekend in custody until his next appearance on Monday. And as Romina Dea reports, dramatic video of the attack is getting some strong reaction.
4: The video of a suspect allegedly attempting to yank a VPD constable's gun out of his holster has stunned even the most veteran police officers.
3: To be ambushed and jumped behind like that, that's a huge concern.
4: Vancouver's top cop, Chief Adam Palmer, tweeting Even after 34 plus years of policing, this still shocks me. Two officers cleaning up after a sudden death call on the downtown East Side Thursday morning when the suspect surprises the constable in a random attack. The man unsuccessful at swiping the officer's firearm, say police. The suspect bolts, the constable gives chase. After a brief struggle, an arrest. 22 year old Elijah Otway has been charged with two counts disarming a police officer and assaulting a police officer. Otway, who has no criminal record, made his first court appearance via video at downtown community court. Defence granted a bail ban. So we can't give you context as to what happened and why. All we can say is Otway's next court appearance is Monday. He remains in custody.
3: If uh, he had gotten the firearm out of the holster and what might have taken place at that stage. So these are some of the facts uh, and worries that I think many of the viewers have expressed
4: Mental health and drug addiction driving an alarming number of stranger attacks, say police. More than four innocent people assaulted every day in Vancouver for no reason. City Council holding a crucial public safety meeting April 28th. It will give the
8: public a chance that they haven't
4: yet had to speak to Council and all of
8: these different partners, including the Vancouver Police Department, because we have to come together
4: and do our part. Representatives from police, housing, justice. Mental health and addictions expected. The public tired of talk. Residents demanding action. Ramina Day Global News.
1: And just to add to it, Vancouver police are looking for the suspect who punched a visually impaired man in the stomach. The attack happened March 31st at the corner of Thurlow and Alberni downtown. Police say the 69-year-old victim was in the crosswalk wearing a high visibility vest and walking with a white cane. Suddenly, a stranger walked up and punched him in the stomach. The suspect fled the area, although police say they do have an idea who may have committed the assault.
0: He's not physically injured, but as you can imagine, um, he is quite uh, distraught by it all. Um, Like I mentioned, he is visually impaired, so he does have a day-to-day challenge and to add to this is just another stressor for him. So um, it's a very um, troubling case and we need
9: the public's help in this situation.
1: Police are still building their case, of course, so anyone with dashcam footage from the area of Thurlow and Alberni on March 31st, around 11 o'clock in the morning, is asked to contact VPD. Well, you can now dine in a restaurant, go to an indoor sporting event, and access other non-essential services without proving your vaccine status. The province has lifted its vaccine card mandate, the last remaining major COVID-19 measure, and as Richard Zussman reports... Not everyone is happy about it.
3: For the first time in more than 25 months, there are no societal-wide COVID-19 restrictions in place in BC.
4: Happy but cautious. If you're not well, don't come in.
2: Stay home.
3: On Friday, lifting of the vaccine card requirement, now meaning both masks and proof of COVID vaccine are legally not required to eat out, go to the gym, or cheer on the Canucks.
10: I encourage people uh, to continue to wear masks mask in indoor public settings. It's just not the law. For
3: many, the change is a sigh of relief, allowing those who are not vaccinated to dine out. For others, including those who are immunocompromised, The changes will be substantial.
11: I feel like I'm under house arrest, uh, you know, as an immune compromised person. Individuals assessing their own risk
3: and not going to restaurants without the vaccine and mask requirement.
11: Why not then just give us the data, keep collecting the data, keep giving to us on a daily basis and at the community level so that those of us who are immune compromised can say, okay, well, maybe this week I can't go to restaurants, but but maybe next week it might be a, a better situation. The
3: province's latest projections show more than half of the province has had COVID in the last three months. More than 60% of those 18 and younger. The virus's persistence has many calling for a long-term fix, like improved ventilation.
11: Putting band-aids over the cut rather than trying to figure out how to avoid injury. And I think this is one of those
3: Businesses can decide to keep the vaccine card in place if they would like. For example, the B.C. legislature will be requiring proof of vaccination for the dining room or for a tour right up until the end of June. Any
12: business that would choose to do that would have my personal support, absolutely.
3: But most won't choose to keep the vaccine card, leaving others to choose whether this big change makes them comfortable or not. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: B.C.'s public sector contract talks have reached an impasse over wages. For more, we'll bring in our Legislative Bureau Chief, Keith Baldry. Keith, this involves tens of thousands of provincial employees. Bring us up to date on the situation.
13: Yeah, the stakes are pretty high here, Chris. There's a lot of people impacted potentially by this. They have taken a turn for the worse at two key negotiating tables. In terms of numbers, they are quite uh, large. 393,000 unionized workers are in BC's public sector. That covers about 184 contracts that expired at the end of March. The notable exception, the teacher's contract expires at the end of June. A 1% wage increase costs the government about $311 million. So when inflation is running at 5%, one uh, percent isn't even really in the conversation and this is why things are breaking down at the bcgu and the heu the hospital employees union both issuing statements yesterday and today to their members bargaining bulletins saying the gap between the two sides is enormous uh, what is going on with the proposals when you compare the two
1: from the union and the province yeah. how far apart are they
13: very unusual for the unions to release the numbers at the table right now. They've walked away, sort of hit an impasse. And when you see these numbers, you can see the gap is significant. The union is, the unions, GU and the NHU, and, and probably other ones as well, are looking for a two year contract. The government wants a three year contract. The unions want that 5% and 5% a year to match inflation. The government, far lower, 1.75%, then 2%, then 2%, also 25 cents an hour, and a $1,000 signing bonus. The difference between the two sides over two years is staggering more than $2 billion when you start looking at the cost ongoing. So right now, the GU is set in motion the wheels that would lead to a strike vote potentially in May. That covers more than 30,000 people. Uh, other talks, HEU seems to hit a snag as well. We haven't got any information on the other tables out there in terms of negotiating, but uh, the prospect for job action in the public sector has never been as high as it is now going back decades. So it could be a very rocky spring or summer, depending on what sector you're looking at.
1: That's saying, that's saying something when you put it that way, for sure, given the <laughs> uh, labor disagreements in this province in the past. Yeah. Keith, thank you very much for right. that context. All right, cruise ship comeback with ships sailing back into B.C. ports. The industry couldn't be happier, but residents living near ports are poking some holes in the celebration. That's next on the News Hour. The Academy punishes Will Smith for his Oscar night meltdown. What the actor says about it coming up on the news hour. Right now though, as BC gears up for its first cruise season in more than 2 years, an environmental group is trying to sink the industry with a new report claiming the economic impact of the big ships in Greater Victoria is overblown. Kylie Stanton shows us why.
11: Mm-hmm. No horns sounding off, no crowds pouring into the street. Thank you. It's been 904 days now, but who's counting? It's pretty quiet right now. Turns out, a lot of people. And that's not the only number they're looking at. What is the economic impact and interest in Victoria specifically? An independent report commissioned by Stand Earth shows the economic benefits of non-cruise tourism in Victoria dwarf the impact of cruise-related tourism. The cruise industry is not the boom to Victoria that they sell themselves as. Using pre-pandemic 2019 data, the study found cruise tourism brought in $137.1 million dollars a year, while non-cruise tourism generated nearly $3 billion. That's 20 times more. Breaking that down even further, Victoria cruise passengers spent about $87 per visit, while vacationers staying overnight spent $710. And when it comes to jobs, a little more than 1,200 were tied to cruise operations versus nearly 37,500 created by other tourism ventures.
7: We can beg to differ, I guess, on whether 1,200 jobs are significant in the South Island area. But for those families... I think
11: they are. And as of this weekend, they'll be back to work. And there's no signs of
2: slowing down. In June, there are two days with no cruise ships. In July, one day with no cruise ships. In August, one day with no cruise ship. We are overpowered.
11: Mark Gardner has spent the last 16 years leading the fight against the industry, highlighting the negative effects on her James Bay neighbourhood, from traffic, noise and, of course, the pollution.
2: Let's transform the cruise industry to make it a healthier one for our neighbourhood.
11: On Monday, Transport Canada announced it's bringing in voluntary strengthened measures on greywater and sewage pollution generated by cruise ships to better protect Canada's oceans and its port cities. And while it's a welcome first step, in Environmentalists say there's still a very long way to go. Without enforcement, without mandatory mechanisms, the cruise toilet bowl is still open for business.
1: Kylie Stanton, Global News. Up next, another atrocity in Ukraine.
8: Luhansk and Donetsk are again becoming areas of
1: heightened humanitarian concern. Civilians attacked at a train station as the head of the EU bears witness to some of the war crimes. And after making history, time to celebrate for U.S. Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson.
2: are on scene to a crash at
11: the Portman Bridge, westbound at the west end in the right through lane. Traffic is lined up from about mid-span on the approach. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
3: This May, join me for the B.C. Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team, and let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca.
1: Once again, we need to caution you tonight that a lot of the images are going to be distressing in our Ukraine coverage. The warning comes after a uh, train station filled with Ukrainians attempting to flee from war-torn regions in the east was struck by missiles overnight many were killed many more were injured and it's raising concern that the attacks will only increase in a region russia is trying to control global's reggie has the latest
5: the decision to escape the dangers on the front lines of the war in ukraine was a deadly one as ukrainian officials say missiles targeted a train station killing dozens of adults and children It was hell on earth. They all had shrapnel injuries, this official from Krematorsk says. The governor of Donetsk saying the enemy did it to prevent people from leaving the region. Humanitarian corridors accepted by the Russians now appear to be targets for inhumane treatment.
8: Luhansk and Donetsk are again becoming areas of heightened
0: humanitarian concern.
5: Russia continued its pattern of denial, as the U.S. says the missile was fired from a Russian position inside Ukraine, Russia. whose president decried the attack on ordinary people, saying Russians are cynically destroying the civilian population. Amid new atrocities in the East lies the aftermath of the horrors further west. New mass graves have been uncovered in Bucha. Savagery seen firsthand by European leaders.
9: We have seen the cruel face of um, Putin's army. We have seen the recklessness and the cold-heartedness with which they have been Sorry. occupying the city.
5: Ukraine's plight remains a driving push to speed up EU candidacy. And while a NATO bid remains far more uncertain, Vladimir Putin's decisions have so far not worn down the Western alliance, rather emboldening it with more lethal aid to Ukraine and troop presence at the border.
14: The consequences are always the opposite
5: of what he hopes to achieve. Europe is planning for rolling sanctions to put more pressure on the Kremlin, efforts that could slow Russia in the future, but do little to ease the pain of the present. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington.
1: Well, despite what's going on over there, U.S. President Joe Biden is in a celebratory mood, and a lot of the United States is, especially this morning at the White House.
10: The next associate justice of the United States Supreme Court, the Honorable Ketanji Brown Jackson.
1: The president introducing Ketanji Brown Jackson at a ceremony as the new associate chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, Brown-Jackson was confirmed by the Senate yesterday in a vote of 53 to 47. She's the first African-American woman appointed to the top court. Ketanji Brown says she has many people to thank for her nomination.
4: In my family, it took just one generation to go from segregation to the Supreme Court of the
2: United States.
4: And it is an honor, the honor of a lifetime, for me to have this chance to join the court, to promote the rule of law at the highest level, and to do my part to carry our shared project of democracy and equal justice under law forward
9: into the future.
1: Brown-Jackson's appointment is historic for other reasons. For the first time, there will be four women on the court and two black justices. Will Smith has been banned from the Oscars gala and other Academy events for 10 years, and he says he accepts that punishment. It comes after slapping Chris Rock at this year's ceremony. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science, which organizes the event, met virtually to discuss disciplinary action. The actor hit Rock after the comedian made a joke about his wife's shaved head, a result of the hair loss condition alopecia. Later in the show, Smith won the Best Actor award for his role in King Richard. Smith has apologized for his actions and resigned from the Academy. In a statement, the Academy says the Oscars have been overshadowed by the unacceptable and harmful behavior we saw Mr. Smith exhibit on stage. Coming up, a
14: talk with the man who delivered a knockout blow to covid There was the the hope that the technology uh, would truly be a breakthrough. The biomedical
1: inventor from B.C. responsible for getting billions of people vaccinated. And the scourge of graffiti in historic Chinatown finally gets the attention of the province. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window.
11: Good evening. A truck crashed into the bike lane southbound on the Burrard Street Bridge earlier today. So as a result, uh, traffic is down to a single lane each way with crews on scene just avoid it altogether. Head over to the Granville Street Bridge instead. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $45 million. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: In health matters tonight, Ottawa is promising to add another $220 million in funding to support vaccine needs in low-income countries. That money will be added to the $2.7 billion Canada has already supplied due to the pandemic. Prime Minister Trudeau says it'll help break barriers for people trying to access COVID vaccines and help distribute them in struggling countries with the funding they need to get everyone vaccinated. Well, it's being described as Canada's greatest contribution to the fight against COVID-19, and it was invented right here in B.C., Vancouver's Tom Madden helped develop a key element of the Pfizer vaccine. Madden sat down today with our Paul Johnson to reflect on his accomplishment and how chaotic it was in the early stages.
14: There's no way I would have imagined that I could have a part in in such such an important
10: global
14: um, accomplishment.
10: When the history of the pandemic in Canada is written, No account will be complete without a chapter on Thomas Madden and his company, Acuitous Therapeutics.
14: I think there was the the hope that the technology uh, would truly be a breakthrough.
10: (laughs) Remember that in the bleak early days of the pandemic, the expectation was that an effective vaccine could be years away, if ever. But Madden's small firm based at the UBC campus had been working on something called lipid nanoparticle technology. And they had a deal with Pfizer and BioNTech to see if it could help enable their new vaccine candidates to work. It was a long shot. Working seven days a
14: week, 24 hours a day, whatever it took um, to, uh, to support the effort and to bring the vaccine into the clinic as quickly as
10: possible. They doubled their staff. There were chartered jets shipping samples from YVR to Germany. And in the end, this little BC company delivered a necessary component to every Pfizer shot that's been given anywhere in the world. I think we're
14: fortunate in that the, um, the work we did with Pfizer and BioNTech has probably had the largest global impact uh, of, of, of any of the, the excellent work conducted by, by Canadian scientists.
10: With their phones now ringing off the hook with new opportunities and intriguing new possibilities for other vaccines and cancer treatment, it's a stunning achievement. Though Madden modestly declined several opportunities to brag, he did allow this. I suspect you'd probably buy the good scotch now.
14: (laughs) I certainly uh, uh, buy the good scotch and the good wine now. At
10: UBC, Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: I'd say he deserves it. Well, just ahead in sports, play ball. The Blue Jays open the season with the highest of expectations. And later, West Vancouver's fire truck decked out in some hot new graphics. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Many people believe the public safety issues plaguing Vancouver are exacerbated in Chinatown, where graffiti blankets almost every available surface and continues to dissuade visitors. With the vandals rarely caught or punished, the historic community feels there's no justice. And now, as Kristen Robinson reports, the province is promising to work with the city to help stop the vandalism.
9: This was the breaking point for Peter Lau. Are you ready, ready, up there? The desecration of an artist's mural prompting the longtime business owner to launch a petition to stop the hell pattern graffiti in Chinatown.
10: It is truly in the public interest to prosecute this epidemic of vandalism and graffiti.
9: With few consequences for those writing off these walls, the angry calls getting louder. Graffiti is up by 300%. The B.C. Liberals demanding action to protect a Chinatown under siege. When will the NDP take the safety concerns seriously?
7: Our commitment to Chinatown is clear.
9: B.C.'s Attorney General says the province is willing to partner with the city of Vancouver to help take back the historic neighborhood.
5: I agree that it's unacceptable, the state of Chinatown and the state of where we're at in the downtown eastside. side. The police take it seriously, and so do we.
9: Both David Eby and the public safety minister recently discussed several issues with the VPD, including racist graffiti in Chinatown, which could be targeted by hate messaging legislation.
1: There is policy work underway uh, in terms of what uh, hate legislation uh, could look like. And obviously, whether it's uh, racist graffiti or other racist activities are just not acceptable.
9: Violent crimes often take priority over blanket graffiti vandalism, and police say surveillance to watch buildings for spray painters won't work when the justice system doesn't cooperate.
5: It's quite challenging to uh, convince a court to put someone in jail for graffiti.
9: The province limited by the Federal Criminal Code and Youth Criminal Justice Act in prosecuting graffiti crimes.
5: Uh, And often uh, people are are facing first offences. Uh, and so the, the consequences are far more in the nature of uh, restorative justice type approaches and conditional sentences.
9: A far more likely solution, Eby says, is different levels of government working with merchants.
5: We want Chinatown to find its feet. And if graffiti is standing in the way of our progress together, then we want to help.
9: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: Well, for the third time this week, anti-logging protesters disrupted traffic. This morning on the North Shore, a small group blocking the Upper Levels Highway in West Vancouver between Taylor Way and 15th Street. During the morning rush hour, police had to close off the right lane as they removed the last of the people from the highway. The Save Old Growth group also briefly blocked the Lions Gate Bridge during the morning rush hour, leading to large traffic tie-ups on the North Shore. West Vancouver Fire and Rescue has a new fire truck but this one looks a little different. A ceremonial blessing for the unveiling of the new design featuring indigenous artwork by Holactin, a member of the Squamish Nation. A Thunderbird representing protection and strength rises in the smoke from a longhouse on the back of the truck and on the top a West Coast canoe with Coast Salish paddles up holding up the Lionsgate bridge a sign of pulling together peace and respect and building connection between communities
10: a lot of times our ancestors are not only our ancestors but our elders would say that you know we're actually invisible in our own community but with this being on a, a machine like this you know equipment like this that it's going to be around the community so it's actually symbolizing yeah, you know, we're seeing some Coast Salish art, which is actually from here.
7: It's a start to truth and reconciliation for our department and our municipality.
1: The new engine is a tower truck and, of course, will be used to perform rescues and fight fires from higher vantage points. Beautiful truck. Let's hope they don't have to use it. All right, here we go. Uh, let's check in with Christy and a look at uh, weather. In some neighborhoods, Christy, it looks like it's snowing just because all of those Petals are starting to fall.
0: I know it's so sad this time of year. We get these spring storms and all of a sudden all the petals start to come down. Chris, we had a massive drop in temperature from yesterday to today. 6 to 10 degrees in a lot of areas across southern BC. And it was a bit action-packed today with a few isolated storms rolling through. Here's a look at a storm that fell in, well, it moved through Burnaby, but this is from Coquitlam. Here's a look. So pretty intense rain and hail in isolated pockets as these cells rolled through. Here's a look at an image from Campbell River shared by Roger McDonald, who apparently is an old uh, stringer for us here at Global BC. But you can see blue sky on either side of these cells and a complete downpour underneath. There were gusty winds along with that power outages across uh, the Sunshine Coast. Uh, This one from Qualicum Bay. Thank you to Beverly for sharing that with us. Yes, some downed trees from that and some downed petals as well as Chris was mentioning it's so sad to see now here's a look we are going to continue to be cold and unsettled so this is what we call a cool unsettled air mass so that means temperatures stay colder and we have these pockets of precipitation that are possible one starting right over me right now uh, tomorrow though you'll see more sunshine than you will see pockets of precipitation so we're really only talking about a 30 to 40 percent chance and far less on Sunday but I want you to know it is going to be cold enough Sunday morning that we could see some snow inland parts of Vancouver Island. Heads up on that. In the meantime, this is your Saturday. Certainly some sunshine in the mix this weekend, but these isolated sh- cells are certainly possible with a risk of thunderstorms. Temperatures will be well below seasonal. So we're talking about highs of 9, 10 degrees. And normally, we, we should be up to about 14. Tonight's Central Windows weather window comes to you from uh, Green Lake. This is a gorgeous shot of uh, Sandhill Crane. Uh, and I had two Sandhill Crane photos today so i had to share them both with you this one from stanley park thanks to al for that great Look, shots that this, is beautiful. the cranes are starting to come back and make their nests
1: uh looks like it yeah i got some building material there in the beak thanks very much christy beautiful okay let's check in with the uh, squire right now and yes spring means baseball that's true it does mean baseball and the blue
8: jays this year i mean they were a good team last year they just missed the playoffs but this year The Blue Jays are one of the uh, favorites to make the World Series. They're on the field right now, in fact. They are on the field right now. We'll show you what's happened between them and uh, Texas. They haven't had a home opener, of course, since 2019. Oh, and also with the um, Canucks, we've got uh, Spencer Martin, the goaltender, signing a new two-year contract. So he could be the backup next year.
12: Right. Really exciting that it, it did go pretty well, and uh, you know, the hype around the Canadian market team was pretty fun.
1: All right, also coming up, satellite debris. Still some life this season, but also they got to look ahead to next season, too.
8: Always got to be looking ahead. The uh, Canucks are obviously thinking about trying to somehow run down a playoff spot this year, but they are also very much thinking about the changes they have to make this summer in preparation for next season, and one of them will likely be about backup goalie. Yaroslav Halak will be gone after this season, and that means the Canucks will possibly look to their farm team down the road in Abbotsford for a new number two, and today they signed Spencer Martin to a two-year deal, making him at the moment the front-runner for the job of being Thatcher Demko's new caddy.
10: Keith, who puts it on goal, that was down loose, and McDavid stopped by Martin, who came across
12: to his left. Spencer Martin obviously made quite the impression during his three-game emergency call-up for the Canucks in late January. Thanks to a series of spectacular saves, the 26-year-old Martin has a new two-year contract in his pocket and fond memories of what was a whirlwind week in the spotlight for a guy who wasn't sure he'd ever get the chance to play in the NHL again. Um, COVID happens, things happen, and you get that chance and just try to make the most of it because I knew that uh, you know, as my age gets up there a little bit, it might have been my chance to have a uh, first crack at it. So it was really exciting that it, it did go pretty well Have that experience and bring it back here. Uh, It was great. great. You know what? I'm really happy for Spencer. As an older guy, uh, nothing was given to him, and he
7: worked really hard for it. And I think he's doing a great job. And and again, like uh, I love where
12: his game is too.
2: Save my goodness, Spencer Martin.
12: That's the impressive thing. When he went back to Abbotsford, Martin continued to play at a high level. He's put up the best numbers of his pro career, currently 17, 4, and 2, with a 239 goals against. He credits the close knit atmosphere in Abbotsford. Just the, the better the chemistry on the team is, the, the, the better it is, or the easier it is to, to do well in that environment. And uh, this team, I think we, get, we all get along uh, older guys, younger guys. It's been a special year for that. With the emergence of Martin, where does that leave Mikey Di DiPietro in the goalie pecking order? Last season was basically a lost season for the 22-year-old. He only made four total appearances in the AHL because he spent most of the season practicing on Vancouver's COVID taxi squad. It's been a long road getting his game back in order, but he feels he is back on track. Everybody wants straight path, but sometimes I think, you know, uh, the dips are where you kind of learn most about yourself and how
3: you can play yourself up. From them, and uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've been pretty happy with uh, you know my game overall.
1: It's good for young goalies to have to deal with that, some ups and downs, and uh, I think he's done a, a great job. and And I like his game right now better than I ever have. I think he's he's at,
12: the, at kind of the peak of where he's been, and uh, he's playing really well.
8: It was a blustery day at the Masters, and it almost blew Tiger Woods right out of the tournament. In the first nine, he struggled. Big time struggle. But in the back nine, he was much better. Finished up, one over par after 36, that means he's tied for 19th, that means he plays the weekend, that means higher TV ratings. That means everybody's happy. Okay, Scotty Scheffler, three wins in his last five starts, number one player in the world, and he's still playing great golf. This guy is red hot. He now has a five-shot lead after two rounds. Eight under par, that's tiger-like. Couple of nice shots to show you, one from Shane Lowry who is actually second at three under par. Behind the uh, sand trap. In the hole, that's nice. This is better. The veteran, Stuart Sink, 16th hole, par three. He thinks it's an okay shot. But it just keeps getting better. And better. And better. Did I mention better? Ace. Corey Connors is tied for 10th right now, minus one. Kepka, Speeth, DeShambo all missed the cut. The uh, Whitecaps are home to Portland tomorrow at the same time the Vancouver Canucks are home to San Jose. That'll be a bit of a parking issue. The uh, Whitecaps have been good at home, especially defensively. What they would like to do, though, is score some goals and take the pressure off of that defense.
13: Uh, I think if we need something to improve tomorrow, it's uh, our quality of choices and our quality of uh, execution in the final third because we arrived there a lot of times against Kansas City, but at the end we scored only one goal. All right, Blue Jays starting the season.
8: They are favorites to win the American League this year. But this did not go so well at the beginning. Brad Miller. As Texas jumps out to a 4-0 lead. The Blue Jays were like Tiger. Rough start, then they get it going. And this is the thing about Toronto. No lead for the other team is safe. Teoscar Hernandez, three-run homer. Now it's tied. 7-7. In the sixth inning. Never a dull moment with the Blue Jays, that's for sure. Uh, Also, uh, Canada has assured itself a semi-final berth of the World Men's Curling Championship with a win 8-6 over Scotland today. There you go.
1: All right, great news. Those Jays fans, back to them. Getting what they paid for today. And you will, too, in a moment with satellite debris. We're back right after this. Jordan Armstrong is standing by now with details on what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan.
5: Chris, the Florida man hired to write exams for B.C. businessman David Sedu's sons has learned his punishment. We'll tell you about that. And not one but two potential setbacks for the B.C. film industry tonight. There's a labor dispute brewing here at home. Plus, Washington state is dangling some incentives that could pull business away from B.C. These stories and more tonight on Global News at 11. Chris. All
1: right. Look forward to that. Thank you very much, Jordan. Let's check in with Squire now and get satellite debris going, Squire.
8: Okay, first we're going to start off with um, somebody who can do two very difficult things at once. Skiing, I know a lot of people can ski, but not as many people can juggle, and very few can do it at the same time, skiing and juggling. The one, what is it, pin, the bowling pin. pin, whatever you want to call it, uh, sliding down the hill, he picks that up and keeps going again.
1: Justin, our director, says that's what it's like directing the News Hour some days. It is. It's like skiing and juggling yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Here's an old favorite from Sainsbury. Here we go.
12: If I was in charge of dinner, I would make... I'll make a whole steak dinner. What
8: about picnic for dinner? My favourite food is spaghetti bolognese.
12: The the spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. I know how to make that. Then you put onions and and a big big mushrooms in. You know the stuff that goes with the spaghetti bolognese, not the spaghetti, the green bits. No, no, no. And then you chop in. Oh. Mince. And then you put it in the one. that's it, done. That sounds like the goodest one ever. I would cook it for my whole family.
8: So I actually think I'm going to have picnic for dinner tonight, too. <laughs> sounds sounds good pretty to good, picnic for dinner. Mm-hmm. OK, another old favorite from Android, featuring, featuring some fun animals.
12: Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest Laughing back and forth at what the other has to say Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time Oodle lolly, oodle golly, what a day Never ever thinking there was danger in the water They were drinking, they just guzzled it down Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse Was a- watching them and gathering around Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away. Contemplating nothing but escape and finally making it. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day.
8: If all those different species of animals would get along, we have no choice.
1: There's a powerful lesson in that. Golly, what a day. Golly, what a week. And let's hope we've got a great weekend ahead, too. A quick glimpse of the weather before we
11: go, Mm -hmm. Christy.
0: Chris, remember I was saying, keep your rain jacket handy? Well, I didn't do that. And we just had a massive downpour with a pretty (laughs) isolated cell, but a pretty intense one. And then my director, uh, Justin, he says, is this what you would officially call a mixed bag day? (laughs) Well, maybe, although we didn't have any snow. But uh, tomorrow and through the weekend, yes, a bit of a mixed bag. But the good news is for the most part you're going to see sunshine it'll just be these little isolated pockets so keep your rain jacket handy you will need to bundle up it won't be super warm uh, but at least we'll see that sunshine
1: i know a lot of little leaguers are going to be happy to hear there's sunshine in the forecast thanks very much for that christy thanks for watching everybody have a great weekend and we'll see you back here on monday